Welcome everyone. You are currently listening to the first ever episode of the Festival Y podcast. My name is Trin and I am very glad to be your host. I was kindly asked to fill this role as I already host two Estonian language podcasts in my daily life and um, a few more words about me. I work in online media, in entertainment journalism mainly and um, Yeah, I would say that in the field of social justice and activism, I'm quite new, quite green, uh, somewhat of a novice. So maybe not all the things that we're going to be discussing in these episodes are super familiar topics to me. But let's go on this learning journey together and we'll see what comes out of it. Okay, so this is going to be a mini-series. Uh, that uh, consists of four different episodes that overarchingly cover the topics that were discussed at the first ever Festival Y, actual physical festival, it Vaibla, this summer. Uh, so the topics that we are going to be covering are social justice, economic justice, climate justice, and then uh, finally intersectionality that brings them all together. Uh, but what is exactly Festival Y and who are the people behind it? So the Festival Y started when a few volunteers who were working together on a European level on different topics in activism, like social justice, climate uh, topics and intersectionality, saw the need for this kind of organization also in the Baltics. And uh, since they felt it was lacking, they created it themselves. So currently the team is uh, mostly striving to create uh, different uh, connections between uh, single-issue organizations here in the Baltics uh, to create discussion and, and networking opportunities for these organizations. And one of the biggest and, and most awesome things that, that they have already done uh, culminated this summer, uh, the summer of 2020, the worst year ever recorded in history, when uh, around a hundred different people from uh, many countries uh, in Europe, but mostly the Baltics, uh, gathered at Vaibla uh, to discuss uh, the different topics that we here in the Baltic states um, face, different problems, and uh, to uh, connect the people who deal with these topics, who work in these organizations. And so the work uh, towards making the festival happen Uh, already started in 2019 and uh, the organizers are very glad to say that it grew beyond their wildest imaginations. So now they are moving forward with the team and they try to um, create this resilient and supportive network of different um, topic activists uh, from around the Baltics. So during the festival, a lot of workshops were held, a lot of discussions took place on different topics. And so the festival team from these discussions uh, formulated their next steps that they're uh, going to take. So currently the team is offering some uh, webinars, uh, as this is a weird time and people can't really meet face to face. Uh, so the webinars are mostly to elaborate on the four key topics that uh, the team felt needed the most um, focus uh, that were identified during the festival. And these uh, topics are alternative economic systems, energy poverty, accessibility to mental health and disability. 
So moving forward after the webinars, the team aims to identify and remove any obstacles that uh, the different movements in the Baltics face in their everyday job. And uh, they want to create a resilient and supportive uh, network of individuals and organizations that can help each other out and uh, together come up with uh, some solutions to the problems that we are facing currently, some existing systemic issues and so on. So this is the awesome, awesome group of people who are behind this whole endeavor, who made the festival happen, who are currently making uh, webinars happen. And you can learn more about uh, what they're currently up to on their Facebook page. But now I'd like to tell you a little more about the whole structure of the podcast before we get into it. So I'll be starting each episode off with a short description of the topic itself. And I'm trying to use some easy words and examples, so no big and academic uh, discussion here. Nothing scary. The main goal is just to get the ball rolling in your own head, to think about these wider areas and uh, topics, and hopefully spark some interest. So after the short introduction, uh, I'm going to be discussing why this current topic is important and um, in every episode there is also going to be an interview with a facilitator from the festival that was held in the summer uh, to talk about one of the workshops so each time there is going to be a different um, different workshop um, that's going to be uh, discussed in a bit more detail and also a short interview short emotion uh, from a participant gathered right after the workshops finished in the summer. And and last, but definitely not least, um, I'll give you some ideas of what you yourself can do in your everyday life to help out, to make the world a better place uh, regarding the topic of the day. Because as we all know, change begins from each and every one of us. And small steps do actually accumulate and make the world a bit better one good deed at a time. So, there is a lot to cover, so let's get going. So, the topic that we are going to be discussing first is social justice. And um, it can be quite a wide topic. It uh, encompasses many different things. And it can be seen as a basis for both economic and climate justice that uh, are going to be topics for the second and third episodes. And it will also give you a better basis to understand uh, the fourth and final topic that we're going to be discussing in this mini-series, and that's intersectionality. So, first, what is social justice? So justice itself is the concept of fairness, basically, and therefore social justice is fairness as it manifests in society. So that includes fairness in many, many, many different fields of life that you are dealing with daily. For example, um, fairness in healthcare, in employment, in housing, and and in many more. This term, social justice itself, um, has seen uh, quite widespread use in the past few decades or so. Uh, But it's not new, and it was most likely first used... um, in the 1780s. 
So more than 200 years ago, it was already in use. And um, as the Industrial Revolution wound down, legal scholars applied this term first to mainly economics. But now, today, social justice applies to basically any and all aspects of society, including race and gender, and it is very, very closely tied to human rights. And here it's appropriate to add that discrimination and social justice are very much not compatible. So basically, social justice itself depends on four very essential goals, uh, and they are quite easy to understand, but I'll get into them a bit further. So these four essential things that social justice depends on are human rights, access, participation and equity. And without these four principles, uh, social justice cannot be achieved. So firstly, human rights. The connection between social justice and human rights has uh, very much strengthened over the years. It has become clear to activists and government that one definitely cannot exist without the other. So when a society is just, it protects and respects everyone's human rights. Every single person who is part of this society is respected and cared for. So the second really important principle is access. And that means that a person and every single person is able to access the essentials they need to survive, so like shelter, food and education. And if a person is not able to access the basic, basic very utmost basic things they need, uh, then it is very bad for the individuals themselves, of course, but more widely the communities that these people live in and from there, the society as a whole. So social justice activists uh, work to increase and uh, sometimes also restore access to give everyone the equal opportunity to live a good and fulfilling life. The third very important pillar in this equation is participation. So social justice uh, isn't possible if only some people in the society are able to speak if only some people's voices can be heard. Uh, but unfortunately, that is often what happens. And some of the voices of the more marginalized or, or even the most vulnerable people are silenced. So even when the society itself tries to address the problems that they see, but the ones who are trying to address the problems and make the change happen aren't the ones who are being affected by the problem. So their solutions might not work. They might make it worse. I think one of the most uh, colorful examples of this can be when men make decisions over women's reproductive rights. So, uh, so participation from the groups directly affected by the problems that need solving is absolutely necessary to make the best decisions for these people. And participation must be encouraged and rewarded so that all the people, everyone especially those who haven't had a chance to speak publicly yet, can do that and make their voice heard. And the fourth and final pillar that social justice relies on is equity. Many people believe that it should be equality, but actually it should be equity. What's the difference between the two? So equity takes into account the effects of discrimination and aims for an equal outcome. 
there is a quite an easy way for you to visualize what that means. So imagine three people are trying to see over a fence. So one of the people is already very tall and therefore able to see over the fence without any problems. They represent the most privileged people. The second one can just very barely see over the fence. And the last person, uh, who represents the most vulnerable in society, can't see at all. They just can't see over the fence. So equality in this case would mean that you give every one of these people one box to stand on, even though the tallest person really doesn't need the box because they already see over the fence. And if you give the short person only one box, then they still won't be able to see over the fence. So equity in this example would mean that the privileged person, the tallest one, doesn't get any boxes. Instead, the middle person gets one. So they basically represent the middle part of society. They get one box and the people who are the most vulnerable, the most discriminated against, they get two. So now everyone is more or less at an equal level. So I think this um, illustrates the principle of equity versus equality very well. Now that we know the four pillars that are needed to make social justice happen, let's talk about uh, where is social justice needed the most. So the issues that social justice deals with are quite vast uh, and uh, most definitely intersectional, as inequality affects the lives of many people in powerful ways uh, and some things that social justice uh, deals with are issues from psychological health of people, economic stability. And it's important to know that depending on where you live, depending on the type of society you live in, some social issues might be more pressing than others are. Different social issues can come to the forefront of the society at different times. And uh, depending on your country, your society, your culture, the city you live in, maybe even your neighborhood has its own problem that the next neighborhood uh, doesn't have. So these issues can be very, very different for everyone. So they can affect uh, people's uh, lives in many different ways. They can restrict access to different types of goods or services or opportunities. Uh, therefore, these issues are very wide-ranging and diverse. So I'm trying to cover some that uh, are quite prevalent in most societies, that, uh, that most societies struggle from. Uh, and a few examples would be racial equality, gender equality, LGBTQ plus rights, and, and many, many more. And I will uh, really briefly go into those that I currently mentioned. So... So racial inequality uh, is probably one of the most common social justice issues in the world that we can see today. Uh, many countries have a, a history of racial discrimination and prejudice of some kind. It can affect uh, discriminated groups' um, ability to find work, get access to health care, to receive housing, and to uh, get maybe even an equal education. And these problems with uh, racial inequality are uh, currently very, very visible in the United States, where they are still rioting with the Black Lives Matter movement uh, against police brutality and, and many different other injustices. I would say that here in the Baltic states, um, we definitely do have problems with, uh, with racism, with uh, racial equality. But our own more pressing issue here, I would say, is uh, xenophobia. 
So discrimination based on nationality and uh, the fear and hatred of strangers or, or foreigners. And although uh, they might be quite similar, uh, they're still uh, different enough that uh, one person can be both um, xenophobic and racist at the same time. So I would say here this xenophobia issue is a bit more pressing. I also mentioned uh, gender equality. So researchers have um, done the maths and uh, with the way things are happening currently in the world, it would take roughly 100 years for global gender equality to become a real thing. But for many countries, it's even further away. So uh, obstacles that um, people faced on the basis of gender can be the gender pay gap, uh, weakening of reproductive rights uh, and unequal education opportunities that hold back uh, both women and uh, also people outside of the binary as well. So social justice activists actually consider gender equality to be the most important social issue of our time. Uh, also very closely tied to the gender equality is LGBTQ plus rights as People in this community face very high levels of violence and discrimination all over the world. Among uh, many other challenges, it affects uh, these people's ability to find employment, to find shelter, to receive health care, and just basically to be able to live a safe life. So this is like a very, very brief overview of only some of the topics that are gathered under the umbrella of social justice but we don't have time to get into every single one of these, sadly. And I would now like to close off this, um, this introductory part with what it would mean if we could achieve social justice in, uh, in the world. It would mean that everyone's human rights are respected and protected, and everyone has equal opportunities. It won't guarantee that the society will be perfect, but everyone will at least have a fighting chance at uh, the life they want. People aren't held back by things out of their own control, like systemic obstacles or discrimination. And I would say that there is not one clear, ideal uh, visual of a socially just world. But because we don't have this uh, kind of clear visual, it's even more important that people of all walks of life, of all different backgrounds are able to participate and that their voices are actually heard. So we can get moving to a better society one step at a time. So now we are going to hear an interview with Aet Kusik, who works for an Estonian organization called Feministerium. And they ran the workshop called Consent and Boundaries with uh, Nella Laos at the festival. Uh, so now we will hear a brief interview with Aet about how this uh, workshop uh, idea came to be and uh, why it's important to talk about these things. And after that, we are going to hear a short commentary from Lisa who was a participant, and what she thought of the workshop. Okay, so now I'm talking with the facilitator of the workshop, uh, Consent and Boundaries. Uh, hi, Aet. Hello, Dri. Um, I would uh, first like to know, how did you come up with uh, the topic of this workshop, uh, Consent and Boundaries? I had a chance to work with this topic uh, within um, one um, uh, theatre play 
which I mm -hmm. did with um, artist Tina Söth. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, during uh, working with this play, we also held discussion rounds about boundaries, sex, uh, consent. The play was, it was meant actually for youngsters, but, mm -hmm. but all the other age groups were interested as well. And uh, this was the start. Like during working with this play, we underst uh, understood with Nelan that there is like need for or chances to discuss in safe environment about bodies, about security and safety and about joy, which comes with sex. And of course, about dangerous things as well, like, like sexual violence is one thing, but more important or the topic which hasn't had so much emphasized is uh, like this personal, emotional safety. Do I feel safe with this person? Uh, do I feel that I own my body? I can be responsible of my wishes and uh, I can say no, I can say yes, maybe I can say maybe. This, mm -hmm. These are all um, important questions and thought that if it's interesting for us, maybe it's interesting for others as well. Okay, so during during the play, you just saw a need for this kind of uh, workshop, and you thought uh, that uh, people from other age groups that are not teenagers still still need to talk about this, basically. Yeah. Yes, because um, sexual education has been focused more on how not to get pregnant or how not to get uh, sexually transferred diseases and so on. Mm -hmm. But it needs more emphasis on uh, like boundaries and consent and and joys of uh, of sex as well. Yeah, because that's that's a really important part of the transaction, I would that's say. Why we do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because I took a uh, I took part in the workshop as well during the festival, and it was uh, it was very eye opening in some sense because uh, some of the topics I hadn't thought about with myself mm -hmm. because you know yeah I was I was also one of the those people who was uh, raised with like how not to get pregnant, how not to get an STD. But how to be happy and how to feel safe in a relationship, that's something that has, has not come as naturally as it should. Mm. Mm -hmm. But um, I, would, uh, I would like to ask, have, um, what kinds of reactions have you gotten while, uh, uh, while facilitating this workshop? The reactions have been different, really, really much depends on the group. It was very interesting in Y Festival because the group was really, really diverse. Some of the people ha have had like a lot of experiences on violence and also overcrossing someone others' boundaries. But uh, some of the participants haven't had any experience on sex whatsoever. But consent is like more bro broader topic than uh, sexual consent. We mm -hmm. give consent and we take consent. Uh, like in every decision that we make in our lives and our every, everyday actions. That's why it's uh, themes that can, um, yeah, it can work with very diverse participators. Mm -hmm. The same thing I have heard like from participants, these topics that, uh, that we uh, talk in this uh, workshop are natural things like sex yes. or joy, but we somehow do not really speak about it, about boundaries and about bodies and about how we feel. Well, yeah, I, I think it's it's not really, it's re not really talked about in any sense in our own educations. And I think uh, this is like really important um, conversation to be had with yourself, with your partner, with your friends, parents, because I think every social transaction has some, some sort of consent involved. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Have you gotten any negative responses? Not really negative. Maybe, maybe, 
I mean, the the workshop, how we how we have built the workshop is that the, everything is of course uh, consent based. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. So that you don't feel that something is really off. You have to say we agree on it uh, in the beginning. Or if you feel unsecure or you don't feel safe, you can always like leave and not come back because the others have to feel safe as well. Exactly. You uh, you are encouraged to share, but you don't have to. Yes. Yes. And. Um... Why would you personally say this is important to talk about these things? We have already touched upon this a bit, but um, what do you say uh, is the most important reason to talk about this? Mm, I would say that it's the, the most important topic uh, that we un understand what is the choice, what the word choice means. Mm -hmm. we, are really, we say really easily that everybody has a choice, but sometimes it may be hidden. The choice is really not an, uh, like a freely made decision. Mm -hmm. There can be some uh, things that maybe influence the person to say yes or to say no, or maybe the person is afraid to be somehow persecuted about saying no. Mm -hmm. Saying yes for a sexual encounter has to be like really enthusiastic. That's that is the basis that the sex can be fun and some. Yeah, something something liberating when the person is just being silent or like really feels and actually shows they don't really know what to do. That is not the yes. That is not the enthusiastic yes. That's that's basically a question mark. <laughs> yes, this is the thing that we should stop and maybe talk about talk about the question mark a little bit. And the choice topic is the most important for me. Understanding of the choice. Okay, well, thank you for talking with me today, and um, I hope you have uh, future, uh, like very good future experiences with this workshop. Thank you, Dreen. Thank you, Ad. Bye. Yeah, so we just finished the workshop on consent and boundaries, and I'm here with Lisa, who participated in the workshop. So, what are your emotions after the end of the workshop? I really liked it. It was very interesting to see other people's uh, look on the consent and boundaries and how they perceive it. It was very interesting. And the workshop was very interesting. We got to meet a lot of interesting people and talk with them about their looks on consent and their feelings about consent and boundaries. So I really liked it and I'm really happy with it. Uh, okay, and what's uh, what's the most important takeaway uh, or like the most important thing for you? What uh, what should be known about the topic? I understood that I don't always have to forgive the people who didn't respect my boundaries and my consent wasn't given to them. So that was one takeaway which was really important for me personally. And also I learned that all of us have moving boundaries that they don't stay the same mm -hmm. and it isn't just me it's all of us and mm -hmm. it was really good to know that i'm not the only one with boundaries that are always aren't always just the same that they are moving they are changing mm -hmm. and it was very good to know that other people feel it too thank you Okay, and we have reached the final part of our podcast. So what can you do? What can you do? How can you help out? Where to start? And as uh, there are very many different issues 
that are covered by the social justice umbrella, there is also uh, quite a lot of ways to get involved. So first of all, it would be really good to just uh, take a look at yourself and your own daily life. I would say that many of us have also lived through one or, or maybe sadly even more of these issues that uh, I have mentioned today. So think about what kinds of... Uh, what kinds of inequalities have you had to deal with in your own life or, or what your friends or, or the people close to you have been going through and just start uh, noticing uh, these little kinds of inequalities, uh, little problems in the world. These things can be either small, someone doing or saying something inconsiderate towards others or maybe they're just not thinking about it, they don't know. Uh, it can also be bigger things like uh, the policies around you, what is talked about in the media, about the marginalized groups. Small injustices are very much around us every day. And if you start noticing them, start paying attention to them, uh, then you have already taken the first step towards becoming a bit better, a bit more socially just, because you can't solve a problem that you don't know is there or that you don't uh, recognize as being there. If you are already seeing some, uh, some of these issues and start to think about them, then the next step, I would say, is to educate yourself. So read up on one or more of the topics that we have mentioned here today. Uh, find one that is close to your heart. Uh, get very deep with that or, or read briefly about many of the topics as you wish. And uh, the more you know, the more you read, the more you understand how these small things affect our society every single day, the more you start to notice those little things that are wrong or unjust or making the society worse. So education and noticing uh, inequalities, I think, would come hand in hand. So these would be the two first things. Also, a very good thing to do is to educate the people around you, if possible. Uh, this doesn't necessarily mean that you have to lecture each and every single person you meet. But even a few, oh, by the way, did you know that this and this is happening? Or that if you do this, it has a wider impact on society? Or hey, if you, if you say something like that, some people can be hurt. So just those little things that can get the, the people around you thinking about their own behavior and maybe make a few adjustments because of that. Maybe it's your friends who are being a bit ignorant, maybe your classmates, maybe your work colleagues, maybe your parents. Uh, so if you feel that you have the energy to do so, begin these conversations with them and go little by little as I don't think anyone wants to get uh, a really long and in-depth lecture right off the bat. So yeah, I, was, I would say start, start with the little things. And please, it's really important for you to know that if you don't have the energy to do so, you don't have to, because every person is an individual and they should be able to read up on these topics on their own. You are not their Google. You don't have to know the answer to every single question. So please don't feel like you have the obligation. So just because you see the injustices in society and you know about these problems, you are not obligated to talk to anyone about it because not all of us have the energy to do so. Uh, maybe it's not even safe to bring some of these topics up. So just uh, don't feel like you are a bad person just because you don't um, tackle these 
important but also sometimes very difficult conversations. But if you if you feel like you have the energy, then definitely do give the people around you a gentle nudge in the right direction or show them interest in uh, talking about these topics possibly at a different time when it's convenient for them. Just make sure that you don't burn yourself out in the process of educating others because uh, uh, we can see that many activists who work in these fields are, are very stressed out. So know that you are the most important one in your life and you need to tend to your own needs first. If you're still in high school, then maybe you can look into pursuing an education in social sciences or politics or social work of, um, of any kind in any field relating to the topics close to your heart. If you feel like you want to work in this field, but I would like to bring out that it's not the only way to make a difference in society because many, many people who are on the forefront of the fight for social justice um, come from many, many different fields of study. They might not have studied these things in, in university. So it's not of utmost importance that you definitely go and get an education in these fields because there are many more ways to uh, help out I, myself, for example, have studied um, anthropology and literature. I work as a journalist and now I do podcasts and talk about activism. So none of these things can be seen as quite compatible at first glance. But what I have seen from the different people around me who I have talked to, then I can say that they benefit from the different knowledge they have claimed from their very diverse backgrounds. And those different insights uh, might definitely come in handy if you want to make change. So just remember that you can always combine knowledge from two different areas of life. And even the most random pieces of knowledge can suddenly become very useful. Another good way to help out is to donate money or free time, depending on which one you currently have more at hand, to some of these organizations that work with causes that are important to you. So as there are very many of these different kinds of organizations here in the Baltics, uh, there is going to be a list of um, some of the organizations working in the field of social justice uh, in the show notes uh, with uh, brief descriptions uh, and where you can find them on the internet. So you can find the one that resonates with you the most and the issues that are most important to you and get in touch with them and maybe help out in some way. And it's also very important to know that both time and money are valuable. So if you get in touch with uh, these organizations, you can ask how you can be of, uh, of help, of service, what you can do. And even a few euros you can spare or a few hours of volunteering can help these organizations along with their work. So just know that absolutely no contribution is insignificant. So this has been the episode for today about social justice what it is, what it means, and what you can do to help out or give back. So I hope some of this information was of use to you. Please also definitely check out the show notes, uh, where many of the organizations that work in the field of social justice are listed by country. So in Estonia, in Latvia and Lithuania, that you can write to and help out. I know it might sound... Um, like a very big and difficult cluster of uh, different topics, different problems. And uh, yes, these issues are around us every day and they are everywhere. But I would just really, really like to say that every single thing 
you can do to make this world a better place is important. Every little act matters. And the most important thing you can do is just start from somewhere. So you are going to hear more from me in about a week's time when I'll be tackling the very, very problematic and scary cluster that is climate justice. So take care, stay safe, hope you're having a lovely day and also try to see the positive in the world, not only the problems. Bye.